You are given a light by God, and God's purpose in giving you that light is that you would let it shine in such a way that you don't get the glory, but in such a way that God gets the glory. So you shine it for his glory. You shine it for his honor. You shine it for his praise. You don't hide who you are. You let that light penetrate the darkness. Hi, and welcome to One Little Candle, a place where genuine believers are encouraged, empowered, and inspired to be the light that God calls us to be by contending for the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to his people so that we may pass down undefiled the truth of God's infallible word to the next generation. And in case you're thinking that you can't make a difference in your own little corner of the world, Yes, you can, because all it takes is one little candle. I'm your host, Rebecca Bershwinger. Thanks for joining me for today's episode. Hi, and thank you so much for joining me today. Today, I have a special guest, and he is Pastor Josh Ancello. He is the pastor of the Trinity Baptist Church in Niskiuna, New York. And I am privileged to call him my pastor. And he gave a message a few Sundays ago on one of the seven I am statements of Jesus. And it was, I am the light of the world. Now, as you can imagine, with the fact that this is the One Little Candle podcast, and I talk about being a light in the darkness, as I was listening to everything he was saying, I was like, oh, this would be so great to share <laughs> on one little candle because everything he was saying was was right on and he put it so much better than I ever could. So I asked him if he would mind if I aired his sermon on an episode of One Little Candle and he he graciously obliged. So that is what today's episode is going to be is I am the light of the world. Um, I know this will encourage you. It'll be a great reminder, a great encouragement for you as it was for me as to who we are in Christ. We are the light. And the dark world that we're living in, that's just getting darker by the hour, and the importance of us being that light. So I feel very privileged to be able to share this sermon with you. So here we go, Pastor Josh Ancello with I Am the Light of the World. Good morning. All right. Well, we're going to be in John chapter 8, as you know, if you can turn there with me in your Bibles today. We started a new series last week, the seven I am statements, and we looked at the first one from John 6, verse 35, where Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And we talked about how our satisfaction, our fulfillment is found in Christ and Christ alone. We talked about how we have uh, in sort of an in, innate uh, hunger and thirst within us. Some have referred to it as uh, um, a vacuum or, or a sort of a, just an emptiness that can only be filled by the Lord Jesus Christ. And we looked at uh, the woman at the well, among other things, and how she was constantly searching to have that thirst filled in her life and she could never quite do it until she met the Lord Jesus Christ and then 
she found the living water and was able to quench that thirst that she had in her heart. So that's what we looked at last week. We also compared the manna because uh, the people were mentioning the manna with the bread of life. So we're going to move on today to the second of the seven statements, which is found, of course, in John chapter 8. And that statement, as you have heard already, is, I am the light of the world. So that's what we're going to look at today. And we'll kind of do two things. In the first half, we'll look at the presence of the darkness and then in the second half, we'll look at the power of the light. So we'll contrast the darkness with, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> with the light. So look with me one more time here in verse 12. It says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of of life. Let's have a word of prayer as we begin today. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you and we thank you for who you are, the light of this world, Lord, that you are a light that shines in the darkness. And we just pray, Father God, that we would follow you, Lord, um, follow you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Lord, give me the words to speak today in such a way that will uh, honor and glorify you, encourage and edify your people who are here. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so you see what Jesus says there in verse 12, John chapter 8. Now, originally, there was no spiritual or moral darkness in the world. Uh, the Lord created physical darkness. That's Genesis chapter 1. He separated the darkness from the light. But there was no spiritual darkness. That did not begin until Genesis chapter 3 when Adam and Eve sinned against the Lord. That is when the darkness in man's heart entered into the world. There was no darkness before that. And since that time, you could say, we have been living east of Eden. We have been living in a world that is marked and marred by darkness. This is not the world that the Lord intended when he created all things. It's a world that has been corrupted by sin. But thank God in the future, the Lord is going to make a new heaven and a new earth, and there will be no sin there, and we will dwell with him forever. But the first thing we want to do here as we begin today, we want to take a look at what the scriptures say about the darkness. There is way too much mention of this throughout the scriptures to uh, obviously talk about all of it, but we'll touch on a few passages here and what the Bible is getting at when it talks about darkness. Now, first off, darkness in the scriptures is symbolic of spiritual lostness. The unsaved man is said to have a darkened heart, Romans 1.21. Darkened eyes, Romans 11.10. A darkened understanding, Ephesians 4.18 and a mind that has been blinded by the prince of darkness, the devil, Satan, 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. So this is where the unsaved man is at spiritually and morally. He is darkened, uh, and he is walking around in spiritual darkness. And that is why he needs the light of the world to shine upon him. 
He needs the Lord Jesus Christ, who is that light of the world. And as believers, our job, among other things, is to pray for those who are in the darkness. Because we have a God who answers prayer. Do you believe that? He's a God that hears our prayers. He's a God that answers prayer. And God is always building his church. He is doing that today. He is at work in the hearts of the unsaved, shining his light upon them. And there is great power in prayer. The Lord answers prayer. And also the Lord answers persistent prayer. And the Bible talks a lot about the need to pray without giving up. I love the parable of the persistent widow. She goes before the unjust judge, right? And this guy doesn't care about anybody. Uh, He doesn't care about God. He doesn't care about people. I don't know how this guy became a judge, but he did. And this woman, this widow keeps coming before him and she's lifting up her, her plea to him. And he is, he really has no concern whatsoever. And he does not initially grant her what she wants, but she keeps coming back. And finally, he says to himself, I'm not really too concerned about her and her request, but unless I grant it, she's going to drive me nuts. That's not the actual translation, but that's pretty much what was going on there. And so because of her persistence, what does the unjust judge do? He grants her what she is petitioning him for. And you say, that's kind of weird because God is the judge, but he's not unjust. He's just. Well, that's the whole point of that parable is that if an unjust judge responds to persistence, how much more will a just, loving, heavenly father respond to your persistence? He will respond. The question is not, will God respond? The question is, will we have the faith to keep persisting in our prayers for the lost? That's really what it's all about. To keep praying that those in the darkness will experience the light of the world. And that's what we're called to do. So it's symbolic of spiritual lostness. Tons of passages talk about those who are in the darkness. What else about darkness? Well, it is often associated with God's judgment. There are a ton of Old Testament passages that talk about a day of darkness. A day when the judgment of the Lord will come. Uh, All throughout the prophets, they talk about uh, the day of the Lord, and they refer to it in these terms. It's a day of darkness, gloominess, cloudiness, uh, and whatnot. But when I think of God's judgment connected with darkness, this passage right here comes to my mind, Luke 23, 44. And it was about the sixth hour, and there was a darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. What day was that? That was the day Jesus was crucified, right? The sixth hour is noon. So from noon to three on the day that Jesus was crucified, there was darkness over Jerusalem, yes. Not only over Jerusalem, over, what does Luke say? The entire earth. All over this globe, from noon to three, Jerusalem time, the day Jesus was crucified, there was darkness. And the reason there was darkness is because all the darkness of men's hearts was poured out, so to speak, on the Lord Jesus Christ. He was judged for all the sin of the world. All of that was pictured 
in the darkness that came upon Jerusalem and all the world from noon to three. Second Corinthians 5.21, I think, succinctly captures what happened on that day from noon to three. God, it says, made him, him being, of course, the Lord Jesus, God made him, it says, who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him or through faith in his name and what he did, we might become the righteousness of God. So think about that. The Lord Jesus Christ, sinless son of God, goes to the cross for sinners. He suffers in our place. And what does God do? He takes all of our sin, all of our unrighteousness, and places it on his son. And he suffers for everything that we would ever do. All of the sins we would ever commit, Jesus suffered in our place for all of it. All of that darkness placed upon him. So that you, through faith in what Jesus did for you, you could be saved. And there is no doubt someone sitting in here this morning who is unsaved. Someone listening who is unsaved. You have not put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to know he loves you. He died on the cross to make a way for you to be saved. And he is the only way. We talked about that yesterday at the memorial service here at Trinity. That there's not many ways and many roads. There's only one. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I would strongly encourage you that if you have never trusted in Christ to put your faith in him, he alone can save, he alone can forgive you. And so all of that darkness was placed on the Lord Jesus. So darkness in the scriptures, it's often associated with God's judgment. What else? Uh, Believers have been delivered, the scriptures say, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, Colossians 1, 12, and 13. And therefore, because we've been delivered, we should put aside, it says in Romans 13, 12, the deeds of darkness. So we all come into the world and we are in a kingdom. We're not in the kingdom of light when we come into the world. We're in the kingdom of darkness. And we need to be delivered by the Son of God, the light of the world, into his kingdom the kingdom of light. Now, the moment you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you were delivered from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's Son. Therefore, you are no longer a child of the night or a child of the darkness. You are a child of the day and a child of the light. Therefore, you should live in such a way that you are reflecting the kingdom you belong to. Let me ask you, are you living your life in light of the fact that you are in Jesus' kingdom. The deeds of the darkness need to be cast aside. We need to do whatever we can do in our power and in the grace that God gives to get rid of the deeds of the darkness. We don't belong to that kingdom, and therefore, we should not reflect that kingdom. We should walk in the light. We should walk in obedience to the Lord. And the scriptures say in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, the question is asked, what communion has light with darkness? Do light and darkness go together? They do not. Spiritually, they do not. And then in that same passage, it says uh, that we should not be unequally yoked 
with those who are in the darkness. And there's different ways of applying that, uh, you know, different applications for that. One of them, though, is marriage, right? We should not, as believers, enter into a marriage covenant with someone who is unsaved. Yet you see Christians doing that at times. That's, that's, that's trying to take the light and mix it with the darkness. That's not God's will. And then when it comes to dating or courting, whichever word you prefer, should we date? Should we court someone who is unsaved? Well, why would you do that? The whole purpose of dating slash courting is to discern if this is the person that the Lord wants you to marry. And here's the thing. If they're unsaved, you've got God's answer already. That's not the person he wants you to marry. He is not calling you to marry someone who is spiritually in the darkness. So why would you date or court with someone who is unsaved? You shouldn't even do that because you're playing with fire, in my opinion. And this concept of missionary dating, I reject that. I don't think that's scriptural, and I don't think that's wise. Well, I'm going to just lead them to the Lord. No, you let God lead them to the Lord. You don't get entangled in something that ultimately is going to, oftentimes, it leads to people being damaged in their own faith. And so we're, not, we're called not to be unequally yoked with the darkness. And by the way, Christian, if there's anyone listening and, and you're thinking about uh, uh, marrying an unbeliever, please don't contact me about performing your wedding ceremony. I cannot and I will not. I, don't want, I cannot have a part in that because I know it's not the Lord's will. And so believers need to put aside the deeds of the darkness, and we need to walk in the light. What else? One other thing here concerning the darkness. A lot of other things we could say, but the Bible is clear, though, on those who promote, who encourage darkness, that they will face, ultimately, God's judgment. Isaiah 5, verse 20 says, Woe to those. Woe means look out. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Now, aren't you glad that's not going on in our world today? None of this is going on at all, right? Uh, Alpha Pregnancy uh, Center was mentioned uh, a few minutes ago, and it's just unbelievable to me what's been going on since Roe versus Wade was overturned in this country. What has been happening to pro-life pregnancy centers like Alpha uh, Pregnancy Center all across this country being vandalized, being destroyed, being bombed like the one in Buffalo. Compass Care was totally destroyed. Although I was reading an email um, talking about how they're, they're going to rebuild that, that pregnancy center there. And it's just interesting to me because it's like the media doesn't really report. I haven't really heard very much. It's almost like you got to go searching for that, right? The media doesn't talk about that much at all. They just kind of cast that to the side, don't they? Now, you know if it was uh, Planned Parenthood uh, and their centers, if they were being bombed and vandalized and destroyed, it would be the leading story on the news for the next two, three months, wouldn't it? It would be right in your face. There'd be nothing you could do to get away from it. But when those who are doing good, who are, doing, who are, who are standing up for life, 
when they're being attacked, we don't hear hardly anything about it. Why is that? Because we live in a culture where good is evil and evil is good. When those who are doing good, like Alpha Pregnancy Center, they're viewed of as evil. And those who are doing evil, who have blood on their hands, like planned parenthood, they are viewed of as good. That's the day and age we live in. Evil is good and good is... It's just sort of an upside down kind of day we're living in, right? We live in a world that worships Mother Earth and rejects Father God. Right? That's the new thing. It's, it's just, it's really not a new thing. You can read about it in Romans chapter 1. They worship the creation rather than the creator. You know what? The world wasn't, uh, how do I say this? We weren't created for the world. The world was created for man. And we are called to subdue it. That doesn't mean we destroy it and pollute it and all of that. We're, we're called to be wise stewards of creation. But we're not here for the sake of the creation. And they talk about climate justice. What on earth is that? That makes no sense to me. And they talk about uh, climate change. You know what? I'm not really worried about any of that stuff. You want to talk about climate change? Read the book of Revelation. There's going to be some major climate change coming. <laughs> when he levels every mountain on earth. There won't be any trees left to hug when he's done doing that. <laughs> he's going to turn the oceans into blood. You know what? It's his creation. He can do whatever he pleases with it. But then when Jesus comes again, you know what he's going to do? He's going to restore it. And it's going to be wonderful in the kingdom age when Jesus rules and reigns. It's going to be the greatest creation you have ever seen. I'm not worried about it because I've read the end of the book. I know the lion's going to lie down with the lamb. And I know I'm going to be there with my Savior. And the creation will be wonderful. So you know what all that is to me? All this stuff that's being pushed, it's just... And the interesting thing about it, though, is the people who are, who are pushing this the most fervently are the same people that are flying around all over the planet in their private jets. Obviously, they're not too concerned about climate change. But that's kind of the world we're living in, right? Mother Earth, yes. Father God, no. And then again, we see our, our culture, they're trying to get you that water that you're drinking, that lukewarm, bitter water that they're putting in your mouth. They want you to, to believe that it's fresh, that it's going to provide you with the refreshment you need, that the bitter water we're, we're feeding you is really sweet water. They want you to believe that. They want you to believe uh, what, they're, what they're, they're pushing here. And our culture says that sex before marriage is okay. It's okay to live with someone outside of the covenant of marriage. They push that homosexuality, it's, it's actually something to be proud of. Sinning against God is something you should be proud of. They say men can be women, women can be men. You just make up your own mind. You decide for yourself what you are. No, it doesn't work that way, does it? And I believe coming to a, a, soon to a town near you will be the normalization of pedophilia. That's the next thing coming, because here's what's going on. Romans 1 is what's going on. We're going down the downward spiral into the spiritual abyss of darkness is what's happening in this country. And as you go down that spiral, what, what the Apostle Paul is talking about there, you just keep going further and further into the abyss. Unless... The light of the world breaks through and shines in the darkness of men's hearts. 
Otherwise, we will continue going down. Well, I'm not buying what they're selling because I know what the Word of God has to say. And here's what the Word of God has to say. Because of the darkness that's all around you and the culture you're living in, Christian, you need to put on the armor of light. Romans 13, verse 12. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. And there's a whole breakdown of that armor of light in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. Each piece of the armor of light. And... Um, what we need to equip ourselves with. So we're living in dark days. That doesn't mean we shrink. That doesn't mean we hide. No, that means we just let our light shine all the more. And we put on the armor of God, the armor of light, and we stand boldly for the truth of God's word. So we see the presence of darkness. <laughs> Thank God the story doesn't end there. We also know, though, of the power of the light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. What a wonderful promise that is, right? You follow him. You put your faith in Jesus. You will never walk in spiritual darkness because you'll be following the light of the world. And not only that, but guess what? You will have the light of life. You will have light yourself because here's the thing. When you trusted in Jesus, the Holy Spirit came to live within you. And all the fullness of the Son dwells in the Holy Spirit. So the fullness of the light of the world dwells in God, the Holy Spirit. So you have the light of the world within you. It is not your own light. It is not some intrinsic light that you have been given, uh, that you have, you know, like at birth or anything. It is the light that he has given to you upon your trust and your faith in Jesus Christ. When you trust in him, you are given the light of eternal life who comes and lives within you. And now when the Bible says to shine your light, you're shining the light he's given you. The light of life that you have dwelling within you. You shine that light. Now as we're following him through this dark world, you know, we're like, we're like the Israelites following the Lord in the wilderness. I like what it uh, talks about in Exodus, and Exodus 13, 21 in particular. It says, By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Isn't that wonderful? So they're out in the wilderness. They're out in the, and when the Bible talks about the, you know, the wilderness, it's, it's talking about the desert. That was the wilderness. So they're out there, and it gets pretty hot during the day, doesn't it? But during the day, they're following the pillar. And what was the pillar of during the day? It was a cloud. And so it would shade them, and it would cool them off uh, during the hot desert um, daytime. But then at nighttime, it would switch over to a pillar of fire. It gets pretty cold at night in the desert. So at, at nighttime, as they're following that pillar, that fire is warming them. Uh, warming the Israelites as they follow the Lord. And it is also providing them with the light that they need. That's what it's like following the light of the world. You're following him through a dark world, but it's okay because he is lighting the way for you. And if you don't know the, the way to go, you just keep following the Lord Jesus Christ. You follow him and he will get you to where he wants you to be. You don't have to worry about it. They didn't know where that pillar was going to lead them. 
They didn't need to know because they knew the Lord was leading them. So you just follow God. You follow him one step at a time, and he will get you to where you need to be. So as we follow the light of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ, he is leading us through the darkness, just like the Israelites were led through the darkness in the Old Testament. Now let's take a look at the light. The light, just like the darkness, there are way too many passages that talk about the light all throughout the scriptures. So we obviously cannot um, get into all of them, but we'll take a look at some of them. John, by the way, loved uh, this contrast between light and darkness. So you read through the Gospel of John, and you read through 1 John, and you see him contrasting uh, the light with the darkness. But the light of the world was prophesied of in the Old Testament. Look at those passages from Isaiah 9, 42, 49. It's all prophesied that a great light was going to shine on those in the darkness. All laid out in the Old Testament that the light of the world was going to come. And it was prefigured in the golden menorah of the holy place. In other words, that golden menorah, that you know, lampstand, that pointed to Jesus as the light of the world. I pulled up an image here of the uh, holy place. And um, we talked about in the center there, right, when we looked at Zacharias, we talked about the altar of incense. They would come into the holy place, uh, the priests would, the Levitical priests, uh, each day and twice a day they would offer up incense on that altar in the middle. It was symbolic of our prayers and God hearing our prayers and answering our prayers. And then on the right-hand side, you had the table of showbread, right? And those, there were 12 loaves of bread there, and those symbolized the 12 tribes of Israel. But what else did those point to? Jesus as the bread of life, right? And then on the left-hand side, you had the golden menorah, and it was always to be lit. It was always shining. There was never a time when it was not to, uh, to be lit. And that symbolized Christ as the light of the world. So you have right there the bread of life, and the light of the world. Both of those things pointing to the Lord Jesus. Now, that light did go out. It went out for over three years in the second century BC when this wicked uh, ruler of the Seleucid Empire, a man by the name of Antiochus Epiphanes, came to control in Jerusalem. And he persecuted and oppressed the faithful Jews. He did everything in his power to try to destroy Judaism. We looked at him actually uh, when we were going through the book of Daniel. He's all, it's all prophesied there of what would happen. And so the light went out as he tried to destroy uh, Judaism. Well, this led to a revolt by the Maccabeans, led by a man named Judas Maccabeus, the Maccabean revolt. And uh, Judas and all of his, his men, they pushed the Greeks, out of Jerusalem. And they went up to the temple to light the menorah again. But they only had enough oil for one day. So they lit it, but as the tradition goes, it burned for eight days. And that, of course, is what gave rise to uh, the religious holiday of Hanukkah. That's when it began, two, two centuries before Christ. It burned for eight days. I believe that that tradition is true. Because the number eight in the scriptures, numbers are very significant in the Bible. The number of Christ in the scriptures is the number eight. And so that menorah, which pictured the light of the world, was burning for eight days, pointing to its fulfillment in the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, Jesus 
uh, recognized and celebrated Hanukkah. Hanukkah is in the Bible. Uh, it's in John 10, 22. It's referred to as the Feast of Dedication. And so how interesting, how, how neat that was, that the light of the world, the one to whom that points to, was there in Jerusalem celebrating Hanukkah in John chapter 10. He is the light of the world prophesied of in the Old Testament and prefigured in the golden menorah of the holy place. What else about the light? Well, believers are called to shine their light, the light that we have been given by God. Some people kind of use the analogy of the sun and the moon. I don't know if that works for you or not. Jesus is like the sun. Well, he is the sun, right? He's the S-O-N, but he's like the S-U-N, I guess, in the sense that he's the one who, the light comes from him. We're kind of like the moon. We don't necessarily have our own light, but we do have a light because it's the light we receive from the sun. Um, So maybe that'll be a helpful analogy for you. But Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, made it so clear how he wants us to be in this dark world. He says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Isn't that wonderful? You are given a light by God, and God's purpose in giving you that light was that you would hide it. Wait a minute, what did I just say? His purpose in giving you that light is that you would let it shine in such a way that you don't get the glory, but in such a way that God gets the glory. So you shine it for his glory. You shine it for his honor. You shine it for his praise. You don't hide who you are. You let that light penetrate the darkness. And it's interesting. You know, we've been given people, you know, in the body of Christ, there's so many different skills and gifts that people have. It was so neat to see Journey to Bethlehem, everybody working together as one body and different skills and different abilities and whatnot. Yet we worked together to let the light shine. It's what the Lord wants us to do. We're not called to hide it. We're like a city on a hill. You can't hide a city on a hill. And so, you know, thinking about this, what is your ability? What are your gifts? How has God wired you? How does he want you to shine your light? You don't have to shine your light the same way someone else does. But no doubt he has given you Well, he's given you at least one spiritual gift. Perhaps you have more than one. In addition to spiritual gifts, he's probably given you abilities as well and things you're able to do. How can you use those abilities to shine for the Lord? Maybe your ability is writing. How can you use your ability of writing to let your light shine? Or maybe you enjoy working with your hands, construction, building things, putting things together. Use that to let your light shine. Or maybe it's counseling. Maybe you enjoy meeting with people and encouraging them. I would encourage you, if, if that's what God has put on your heart, to counsel them with this book right here. Not with worldly philosophies, but to take the word of God and to encourage and counsel people and point them to the Lord. 
Or maybe you just enjoy teaching the Bible. Maybe, maybe that's a, a gift that God has given you. Well, if he has called you to do that, then teach the word of God uh, in a way that will bring him honor and glory. Whatever it is, whatever God has given you, let your light shine. And the interesting thing about light is that as uh, things get darker, the light becomes more apparent, right? During the daytime, you have a light on outside. You, you, sometimes you don't even realize you left the front lights on, right? Because you can't really tell. But as it gets darker, as the day goes on, oh, I left the lights on all day long. Because you can see it in the darkness. Same way with the children of the light. That as the world gets darker, you're going to shine brighter. So you're not to, to hide that light. You're just to let that shine in the darkness. And let God do with it what he will. And he will. He will take that light and he will use it. So believers are called to let their light shine. And then believers are also called to walk in the light, which means to obey the written word of God. When you're in, walking in obedience to God's word, you are walking in the spirit or you are walking in the light. I love Psalm 119, 105. You've got to read it in the KJV, though. It just has a poetry to it. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. When you're walking through this dark world, you need a light, right? Otherwise, you're not going to know where you're going. Well, God has provided you with the light. Here it is. This will tell you the way to go. This will tell you what you should uh, have your mind and your thoughts focused on. This will tell you how you're to interact with others in your life. This will tell you what to do uh, when someone wrongs you. Uh, this will tell you uh, what to be and, and who, who to emulate. Uh, this is all the light you need. This book will guide you through the darkness of the world. And I was thinking about this. Uh, I was thinking about bags with candles in them. Why was I thinking about bags with candles in them? Because when I was a kid in our neighborhood, they would do this. They would put the little candles uh, in these. I don't know how safe this was, actually, but uh, uh, whatever. Uh, so they would put the candles in the bags, and they would do this exact thing. Everyone in the neighborhood on Christmas Eve would put these bags out front in front of their, their house, you know, like uh, the, the front lawn by the road. And um, it was just really cool. You know, Christmas Eve, driving through the neighborhood and seeing all of these, these lights. Uh, it was very, you know, just a pretty sight to see them. But you see here in this picture that you have a path there, right? And those lights are showing you where to go, right? They're guiding the path all the way to that house back there, right? You can call that the Father's house, maybe. Um, this book will guide you down the path all the way to the Father's house. This book will show you the way to go. It will cast light on your path and will lead you to where God wants you to be. So trust in the word of God uh, and let him uh, light your way and spend time in the word of God. Spend time drawing near to the light of the world. Let him shine into your heart. Uh, let him quench your thirst. Let him um, satisfy you as the bread of life. Uh, let the Lord lead the way. And then I guess finally I would say concerning the light and the darkness, that the darkness will never overcome the light. 
It never can, and it never will. Uh, the light in the end wins, and wins big. Again, John, he contrasts, particularly at the start of the Gospel of John, John chapter 1, he's contrasting the light with the darkness. And listen to what he says. This is actually a New Living Translation. I really like this translation of it here. It says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. The darkness cannot put out the light. As much as the devil wants to or would try to, he can't do it. The Bible says in Matthew 16 that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. The church wins because we're on Jesus' team, and he's the light of the world, and he is going to win. He's going to win big. And I think about what the Bible says about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ at the end of the seven-year tribulation period. You know what's going to happen? Right before he returns, the lights are going to go out. It's going to be totally dark, just like it was on that day when Jesus was crucified. It's going to be completely dark all over this globe. And then the world is going to look up into the sky and they're going to see the sign of the Son of Man lighting up the world. What is that sign? I believe it will be the cross. It'll be the cross lit up with the Shekinah glory of God. It's going to be a light in the darkness of this world. And then, after the sign of the Son of Man appears, heaven will open, and out He will come, the light of the world. And He will break through the darkness that has been prevailing for the last seven years on this earth. And He will touch down at the Mount of Olives. And He will make His way up into the city of God through the eastern gate. And there he will inherit the Davidic throne in fulfillment of 2 Samuel chapter 7. And there the light of the world will rule and reign forever and ever, kingdom without end. So Jesus, the light of the world, will shine in the darkness forever. And when he makes a new heaven and a new earth, and in that new heaven, there will be a capital city, the new Jerusalem. Guess what? There will be no sun, uh, S-U-N. There will be no sun in the new heaven and new earth. There, there won't be a need for a sun because it will be illuminated. The city of God will be illuminated by the light of the world. The Lord Jesus Christ himself and his Shekinah glory will light up the entire place. You will literally walk for eternity in the light of the world. He will be the light in that city when that day should come. And so there is nothing the darkness can do. The darkness cannot. The darkness has been trying since Genesis chapter 3 to put out the light. It cannot. It will not. In the end, the light of the world will prevail. So as we begin closing up here, I guess my question to you is, have you come to the light? Have you put your faith in the light of the world? Have you trusted in him for your salvation? Let's go to the Lord Jesus now with a word of prayer. Are you running from the light? I guess I could, I could ask as well. You know, the Bible's clear that men run from the light because their deeds are evil. They don't want to come to the light because it will expose the darkness within them. And they want to remain in the darkness.
Or maybe you're in the darkness, the spiritual, moral darkness today of lostness. Maybe you're ready to come to the light, the light of the world, who shines on all who are in the dark. Will you come to Jesus today? Will you put your hope in Him? Will you ask Him to shine into the darkness of your heart? He will. You will have the light of life as the Holy Spirit enters in and cleanses you of all unrighteousness. He's the only one who could shine in the darkness of our souls. Will you come to the light today? We have put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ who took all your darkness upon himself. But he shines forevermore. He's overcome the darkness. Will you trust in Jesus if you never have? For the believer here today, boy, it's so clear what the Lord wants us to do, isn't it? Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus made it clear. Don't hide your light. You're a city on a hill. Let your light shine before men. Not that you will get the glory, but let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Let your light shine. And when people ask you, why are you shining that light? You say, I'm shining it for the Lord. You just shine the light on Jesus. You point them to the light of the world. We thank you, Father, that you have not left us in the darkness. We thank you for shining into our hearts the truth of the gospel. And we pray that you would continue to use us and use this church as a city on a hill. May we continue to shine the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And may people continue to get saved in this place. May people get saved and lives be changed right here at Trinity Baptist Church. We thank you for who you are, light of the world. And it is in your name that we pray. Amen. I hope you enjoyed listening to Pastor Josh and you were greatly encouraged and maybe even convicted if you need to be convicted in some areas with what Pastor Josh had to say about who Jesus is and who we are in Christ and our roles as Christians, as lights in a very, very dark world. That one little candle, you don't need to as I had said at the very beginning when I started this podcast, you don't need to have a master's in theology or, or have gone to seminary. Not that those things aren't helpful, <laughs> because they are. They're wonderful. And, you know, we, we need to give thanks to God for people who do have that, that training and that, that knowledge to um, learn all they can about theology and doctrine and, and um, the Bible and, and God and the church and, and who we are as God's created, just all those things. But you don't have to have that kind of education to be a light in the darkness. God has given us all, all access to his word, okay? It is up to us how much we want to learn, how much we want to put into it, how, how um, close we want to draw to God. All these things are, are up to us. Well, as the saying goes, it's what you make it, right? But you are here for a reason. You have a purpose. God is the reason you're taking your, your next breath. 
um, as they say, you know, they, they talk about the atheist who shakes his fist at God, because we know atheists, they do know there's a God. Romans chapter one reminds us that, that, that everyone will be without excuse because God's made himself evident throughout creation. He's made himself evident in many more ways, but the atheist shakes their fist at God. They claim there is no God. They just, they hate God. They do not want there to be a God, a, a holy God, a God of accountability. Um, but the atheist forgets that it's God who even gives them the strength to shake that fist. Uh, one day they'll realize it, unfortunately, too late. But um, where was I going with this? <laughs> oh, but yes, you are living, you're breathing. You have a purpose. If you didn't have a purpose, you wouldn't be alive right now. Um, and it's all, we all, whether we believe in God or not, we are all being used for his glory. But you have a story. There's always something in your life to share, to encourage others, okay, to, to be that light, to shed light on God's truth. Don't hide your light. Don't be afraid. Don't live in fear, especially as, as they're um, making it more and more difficult to speak God's truth and more and more hate is being directed at people who speak God's truth. We must not cower in fear. That's how we got here, just so you know by cowering in fear, by acquiescing to culture, to the, to the pressures and, and giving in and letting the culture infiltrate the church instead of the church infiltrating the culture. We got here by being ashamed of the gospel and only sharing part of it or making it palatable, watering it down or making Jesus seem something like he's not. Take, for instance, the He Gets Us movement, right? I don't know how many of you saw that on Super Bowl Sunday, um, a lot of Christians were, oh, they're going to talk about Jesus, especially as it's coming on the heels of the, the debauchery, the, the evil, wicked uh, Grammy performance by that Sam, whoever, I don't know, and that transgender person. I don't, I don't remember their names. Um, it was disgusting. But um, the He Gets Us movement is kind of just as bad because they are manipulating the truth of the gospel um, at the forefront to try to rope people in. And we should never resort to manipulation or trickery or deceitfulness, really, in order to get people to come to Jesus, <laughs> okay? Jesus is not a social justice warrior. As a matter of fact, the social justice movement as it stands today and the one that they're making Jesus look like he's a part of, that is very, very, very anti-biblical. Okay, it's anti-biblical. And we should never, ever buy into that. And I'm talking to those of you who haven't heard the episode Please go back and listen to episode 56, if you like, about the He Gets Us movement, promoting a false Jesus. Um, that is not how we present the gospel. That's just awful, what this this movement is doing. Anyway, but yes, <laughs> back to, don't know how I got off on that tangent. But I just encourage you, be that light in any way you can. Start in your home, with your families, um, in your community, 
wherever, wherever you are, wherever you are planted, bloom where you are planted. I always have to remind myself of that. You know, just God, just help me to bloom where I'm planted. Cause sometimes I feel like I want to be elsewhere. Um, but bloom where you're planted. And that's, that's just a, a prayer. I think all of us should, should have Ask God to help us bloom where we're planted. Um, but please be that light. There's not a ton of time left. My opinion in this world, we are reaching the depths of depravity and wickedness really quickly. So be that light, speak truth, stand firm in God's truth, do it with a firmness and a boldness, but of course in love and in love doesn't mean watering down truths so that, um, they're palatable to to people because I am a Calvinist. I believe that God has chosen whom he's chosen before the foundation of the world. So you're not going to turn anyone off by speaking the truth. If you do, and if they go even further from God, that's their choice. You will not be turning away anyone who God has chosen. All right. His already foreordained, predestined elect. Preach the gospel in its entirety. Um, give it the due respect that it deserves. There's no need to try to mess with it, okay? To um, suck in an ungodly culture. So anyway, um, please, please pray for Turkey and Syria. Um, what's happened over there with that earthquake is just, and now they're talking, what, 30,000 people I don't know if we realize the enormity of the death toll there, but there are people hurting and suffering. And in a land where there's not a whole lot of (laughs) Jesus, um, you know, where they're they're trying to get the gospel there. Um, And so these people, they have no hope as it is. And then to have this happen, just pray that the gospel will really go forth it in all the darkness and despair that's there now, that the light, that light will shine bright, that people will get a hope through this because God can work even these horrible things for the good, for those who are his. So may people finally begin to look to Jesus for truth and for answers and for hope and for comfort and for healing. And may people that are over there be bold and courageous enough to share the love of God, the truth of God with these people because there are so many lost souls over there. And, and what a horrific, horrific tragedy. You know, babies being trapped in the, under the rubble for over a week. And I saw a picture of someone feeding a, a sweet, adorable little five-year-old Syrian child, giving him water through a, a plastic water jug lid um, just to get him some water. And keep in mind, guys, you know, the temperatures there, it's winter. They've been below freezing temperatures and there's snow. It's just awful. So please, and if there's a way to give whatever organizations that, that you know, I don't have one in specific, honestly, to, to recommend right now. I, I do have a lot of faith in Samaritan's Purse. You can start there, but um, give what you can to help. Find out the best way to help. And of course, the best way is to really uphold them all in prayer, um, first and foremost. So just please keep them keep them in your prayers. So song for the day, of course, on YouTube. I will provide the link, as always, in the podcast description. And it's called Go Light Your World by Chris Rice. Love the song. 
Um, that was one of the, the songs that kind of gave me the idea for the title of One Little Candle podcast. I actually started out as a blog called One Little Candle. And then um, when I got into doing a podcast, um, that was what I what I went with because I really wanted to let the average Joe, as they call them, um, know that no matter who you are, you are the light. If you are truly in Christ, you are the light. Don't hide it. Let it shine. Let it shine bright. The city on a hill. God has um, enabled you and equipped you in your life, in your circumstances to be the light. So don't ever be intimidated by, well, I'm not good enough. I'm not equipped. Remember, God doesn't call the equipped, but he does equip those he's called. Absolutely. So yes, Go Light Your World, Song for the Day by Chris Rice. And I just want to quick say, loveandtruthbooks.com. I have four books now published with a fifth on the way. Um, well, actually, two more. There'll be a fifth and sixth coming soon. But the first two books are on gender. The other two are on God's design for marriage. They're from two, for two different age groups. Loveandtruthbooks.com. Get to your children first with the truth of God's word about God's design for marriage and the truth about gender. Get to them first. The books are free. They're downloadable in PDF form. They're eBooks. Share them with those who, who might appreciate them as well. I want everyone to have access to this resource. So again, loveandtruthbooks.com. Go there and read the books. I think you'll really like them. Oh, and I have also added a blog to loveandtruthbooks.com. I have um, actually a blog post from Sarah B. Anderson there. I will have some my own blog postings as well as from some special guests. So keep an eye out for that as well. You can follow me on Instagram at One Little Candle Podcast or check out my website, onelittlecandlepodcast.com. So there's an embeddable player there to listen to any of the episodes if you like. There's also pages, there's links to uh, resources, additional ministries, helpful ministries, and links and uh, bios for all the guests that have um, graced me with their presence on One Little Candle. So before I go, I want to give a shout out to some other countries here where I have listeners. And today I'm going to give a shout out to Uganda, Singapore, and Ireland. Thank you so much for listening to One Little Candle. I appreciate you. Whatever's going on in your own little corner of the world, I pray, I pray all is well with you. I pray that you are living a life of steadfastness in the love of Christ, that you are being that light in your own little corner of the world in whatever way God has equipped you to do so. But thank you so much. I appreciate you listening. Those of you in Uganda, Singapore, and Ireland, thank you. Thank you. All right, my friends, until next time, you take care and God bless.